You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the post-football game edition of Sharing Socks. I'm Southside Sox beauty geezer Lee Allen. With me, my son and West Coast correspondent, Will. I am currently the Ohio Valley correspondent at uh, Will Sisters and our daughter's house and uh, outside Cincinnati. So we've got uh, much of the nation covered in our discussion. And I, I think it was appropriate for the start of football season that the White Sox scored two touchdowns last night. And even though they gave up a late safety, uh, it's, I think I think it had to be a hike over the quarterback's head because there's no way that team got a safety on their own. I mean, based on where they were playing, that was that was probably the first time two touchdowns had been scored in the Coliseum in decades. So that was a a big night for for the White Sox. Yeah, that game was uh, that was the first time this year I've been watching a game and I thought. Okay, the boys are back. They're back. And I realized they were playing Oakland. They were playing Oakland in September, which is a shell of what Oakland even was in May. Uh, But it was, I mean, it was an offensive onslaught. It was truly incredible. Yoan Moncada's batting average went up 15 points in a night. Uh it was something to watch. And the, the cool thing about it is every single guy was in on it. It was just, I mean, we had, what, 20-something hits? It, it was yeah. incredible. It was so fun to watch. And, you know, there was a certain manager who wasn't present. And, okay. 
All right. You, you've led into this and you use, you use the phrase, the boys are back. Let's, let's get into people being back. And the one, of course, is the Hall of Fame for baseball person. I want to get into another one, which is Tim Anderson, uh, in this part of the discussion as well. It's looking grim. Steve Stone has said he's for sure going to be back. Uh, La Russa, we're, we're recording this Friday, obviously, after the, the 14 runs against Oakland. Uh, La Russa on Thursday said he will be back. He expects to be back next week. He will not make the Oakland game on Sunday, so he may meet the team in Colorado. <sighs> That's depressing. You know what? This is all a stunt. This is all, if he comes back, and this is another reason why this guy is just garbage. We are going to jump into first place without him doing a single thing to get us there. And then he's going to come back in Colorado. We're going to be a first place team. And this dude is going to swim in the credit that is undue to him. Point that I wanted to make exactly. In a real organization, baseball, any sport, any kind of company or association, whatever, if let's say your sales manager leaves and sales suddenly go through the roof and your sales manager decides he wants to come back, you say, it's very kind of you. Here's a gold watch and your severance package. Uh, we'll take care of it from here on out because this assistant has done so well. With the White Sox, it's going to be reversed because Williams and Hahn have long since given up anything but collecting their pay. They have, I don't think they give a damn about the team or they certainly don't care about the fans or anything else. And they don't have an iota of testosterone in their combined bodies. So the decision is going to be made by La Russa. So it's the opposite of the, what happens in the real world because the real world, if things fell apart when the leader left, then you'd want him back. And this is going to be the opposite. If things had fallen apart, the Russo wouldn't come back. Exactly. He wouldn't be taking responsibility for the really crap, crap season. But since things have gone really well under Miguel Cairo, he's going to come back and grab all the credit. And I looked on baseball reference. They don't list Cairo. There's this little line at the top when you do the team stats that says manager record. And it's only the Russo. There's there's not a space for Miguel Cairo as the interim manager in there and what his record was. So LaRusso is going to come back and claim it all and claim the division title with probably 80 wins. Uh, and, 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 then, and then knock us out of the playoffs with terrible decisions and horrible morale in the first round. I mean, it's that's exactly what's going to happen. It's exactly what he wanted to have happen. It's infuriating. I will... You know, I love my White Sox. I love this team. If Larissa comes back, I hope we go down. I, I honestly, I will sacrifice whatever semblance of the playoffs we could have this year in exchange for Larissa not being there next year. I hope we get into first place. I hope Larissa comes back and we just get shelled for the rest of the year. And I know that that's bad fandom, but it's not like they've done anything to, you know, for me Steve lately. Steve Stone will send you a nasty tweet or email or text or something. Probably not, because I know Steve Stone probably actually agrees with me. <laughs> uh, but I hope that if that happens, if we are in first place and we they get to Colorado and the Russa comes back, 
I hope we don't win another game for the rest of the year. I want it to be so glaringly obvious that this guy is a virus to this organization that they have to get rid of him. They have to get rid of him because I, even with the fun of the last four days under Miguel Cairo, I cannot do another season with Tony LaRusa. I, I mark my words. I love the White Sox. I've been a White Sox fan since childhood. You obviously have been a White Sox fan a little longer than my lifetime. <laughs> uh, I, I can't do it again. I can't do another season with that guy. I will start figuring out my one-year vacation season with another ball club, <laughs> figure out who, who it is, and then I'll come right back to the White Sox, I promise. But I can't do another La Russa season. If he comes back and claims credit for this success, oh, man, it is next week's podcast is going to be nasty. Brett's going to have to put up the language warning. <laughs> they probably will only be able to air it on certain, uh, you know, channels. And, and Spotify will probably be like, it's too explicit for us. You can't use it. Um, that would be infuriating. But let's not speculate on that as much as – focus on the fact that things actually have been going pretty well. They're going very well. Uh, and it's changed so much. At one point, it was down to uh, the, the prediction people, uh, Fangrass, Dakota, uh, 538, were, had 5% chance of the White Sox winning the division. Now they all are back up to at least 25%. Fangrass at 30%. Uh, although it's interesting, at least one of them, uh, yeah, Fangrass, has the White Sox and Cleveland tying in record. Now, Cleveland, of course, has the 9-6 lead on the season. They just need to win one of the last four to win the tiebreaker. The first game of which comes up on Thursday, which presumably will be with LaRusa back. <laughs> so, an absolutely critical game. I don't know the Colorado games are critical, but, but Cleveland is. And, and you would have the demoralizing laugh going on there. So there's that. There's another comeback return to talk about. Elvis Andrus has been remarkable. He is hitting 291 with the White Sox and 819 uh, OPS. He's only behind like Jose and Aloy and uh, Vaughn. And OPS on the well now Gonzalez because he, Romy had such a great night last night that, that he played so little that with his four hits he's he's zoomed up there. We won't count him for this, including uh, even though it was uh, I think maybe against a position player at that point, uh, <laughs> but a monster home run from Romy and his first road home run of his career. So congrats to Romy. Good night. Uh, but and of course. Elvis, let's face facts, is a far, far superior defensive shortstop to Tim Anderson, who is just average. Tim is just an average defensive shortstop. And I had this idea, and I was going to promote this idea. I had it ready to bring up on the podcast early this week. And we should say we originally tried to record this on Thursday, and the heat wave in California caused Mr. Zoom to insist on the day off. But uh, then... Ozzy said the exact same thing, and almost in my words. So it sounds like I'm just quoting Ozzy. But Ozzy was saying the same thing. Andros has to stay at shortstop. 
and they have to find another place for Tim. Neither Elvis nor Tim has ever played any position but shortstop in major leagues, not for one game. But I, I think somebody, this is a leadership question, and I would like to have Miguel Cairo making this leadership decision to sit down with Tim and say, hey, you need to take one for the team and and move over to second base. He's never played there. It probably caused some awkwardness on, on relays and whatnot. But I think that's what has to happen. Anders has been uh, – he's never actually won a Golden Glove because there have been – Really? Like, yeah, I, I thought he must have been like Lindor and uh, Simmons. You know, I covered about six yeah, years. Yeah. J.J. Hardy had a few. Uh, but he's been, he's got to have been in the top three votes almost every year because his reputation as a defensive shortstop did not suddenly develop in the last two weeks. And he's just been phenomenal. I guess last night he made another phenomenal play. I didn't see the game because it's after my bedtime here on the East Coast, but, uh. Well, I, I think you're exactly right. And first off, adjusting from shortstop to second base, even at the major league level should not be hard if you're the shortstop. You know, if you are good enough to be a shortstop in Major League Baseball, you're good enough to be a second baseman in Major League Baseball. So there is no, for me, I, I wouldn't even give any wiggle room on on forgiving a, a slow adjustment period from shortstop to second base. It really, second base is and always has been the much easier position of those two. Um, Tim could easily transition to second base. I do believe that. In terms of relays and where you're going and stuff like that, he's been watching professional second basemen do this for for years and years. If he doesn't know where to go after one day of of reading, you know, the the reports, uh, it has to happen. If we have an infield of Moncada, Andrews, and Anderson – which, by the way, I think if Tim Anderson moves to second base, he could become the best defensive second baseman in Major League Baseball. He he has a second baseman's range. He has a second baseman's arm. And I, what I will say is he has an elite second baseman's range. So, and an elite arm for a second baseman, for sure. Yeah, which you don't even need that much from a second baseman. But uh, he's got it. So... You move Tim Anderson to second base. One, not only do you now have the virtually the best defensive second baseman in baseball, you in a lot of ways have the best up the middle team with Andrews and Anderson. Those two guys, their style of play, their energy, you couldn't convince me for one second that those guys aren't going to gel like that playing up the middle together. That is going to be, if it happens, the most exciting up the middle team in baseball. It really would be such a treat to watch. Adam Moncada, who at times is an absolutely elite third baseman, at times seems to forget where he is, but uh, at times he is an absolutely elite third baseman. That is an amazing infield. And and even Jose... As long as Jose, as long as Jose catches the ball, they throw it down. Yeah, and, you know, he is pretty good at that, so I'm not too worried about it. And Jose also rises to the occasion. You put him out there in an infield that is just zipping, he's going to get in on that. He is going to vibe off that energy. We're going to see him play like he did in in 22 and and 21. 
he was a different fielder those years. So uh, I agree. I think An- Andrews has to stay at shortstop. Do I think LaRusse is going to do that? No. Do I think LaRusse is even going to put Tim back at shortstop? No. Do I think Larry Garcia <laughs> is going to be the starting shortstop against Cleveland on Thursday? Yes, I do. Uh, do I think he'll be batting leadoff? I sure do. Which brings me to my next point with Andrews and Anderson back. You you keep you moved him to second. You keep him at leadoff. He is still a leadoff hitter. Yeah, and, I, I think Anders Anders, uh, Anders becomes your number nine. You, you, it's that second leadoff position kind of thing that a lot of teams use. Your, your speed guy at the number nine slot. Well, I would argue actually that you put Andrews right behind him, and that too? Yeah. and and that way you've got. I mean, look at that lineup. That is, if Andrews stays hitting in the two ninety one range, even if he drops off to a two seventy ish thing, you know, that is scary. You keep Tim's ego happy by keeping him in that leadoff spot, which he and, does. And he should be. He, he does be deserve. He's really good I mean, at. It. You can't. You can't argue that the guy is not a great leadoff hitter. He's kind of the best in baseball. So you you keep him there. You put Andrews right behind him. Then you've got your whole array of of Abreu, Eloy, Robert, Moncada, Vaughn to come after that. I mean, that's the lineup we all thought this could be this year. That is exciting. Then you got at the end of it, you've got Angle, who you can get into right field, batting in your nine spot. So you've got elite speed in the nine spot. So you're not slowing up Tim when it comes back around. I mean, that lineup is awesome. But for it to be awesome, you have to not have a Dyson level fun vacuum sucking the life out of the team from the bench. At I, all I thought at first you were talking about Jerome Dyson. I didn't know where you were going with that. No, I am going with the vacuum uh, dynasty, the Dyson family. Um, but right there, we need to take our break, uh, and we will come back and talk about uh, some other guys who have uh, been playing well. And, uh, in, and rules. And I'm going to talk about rules. Rules. There's rules to this game? As oh. as we as we speak, they're changing them. All right. Well, uh, you heard it here first. That means it is breaking news. Uh, <laughs> we'll be right back here on Sharing Socks. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Sharing Socks. In the first half, we covered the Miguel Cairo era, which hopefully is not coming to an end because it's been very fun to watch. Um, but let's just talk a little bit about some of the resurgences we've seen in this past week. One guy I want to talk about is Lance Lynn. Uh, Lance Lynn. Discovered the curveball. Who who discovered a curveball. I don't know if the curveball is is here to stay. It might have only worked because guys were shocked to see a curveball come out of Lance Lynn. However, it was a pretty good-looking curveball. 
And just the fact that you have it now means guys have to think it could be coming. Lance had a great outing. Oh, phenomenal. And, and the, the, ver- the success was overwhelmingly the curveball. Your strikeouts were majority on curveballs. Your swings and misses were majority on curveballs. Uh, so as long as he's got that, and you never know how a guy's curveball is going to be any given day unless the guy is Bert Blylo. But, uh, yeah, as long as it's, as long as it doesn't have a game where he hangs them, uh, that, that's a great new weapon. For sure. For sure. But, you know, just the fact that he came out here with this pitch at this point in the season and that it did actually look like a major league level pitch, uh, that changes how everyone has to approach their bats against him. And I think it was kind of a genius move. And, you know, this is where I think we see some of the brilliance of Ethan Katz. Uh, to come out this late in the season with a new pitch when you've been struggling. It's a game changer because so much of Major League Baseball is having a tight grasp on what that pitcher could be throwing at you and when. And if you go out there against a guy who's been struggling, you know what he's going to throw. And then all of a sudden, he's throwing something you have not seen video of this year. That completely changes the game. And the reason you don't see more of that is because you have to go out and throw that new pitch at a major league level. You can't just go out and throw a knuckleball and and the guys be like, oh, man, I've never seen him do that. Uh, This is a situation where he came out with a major league quality curveball for a night. Well, now the teams that's going to face him next, they are looking at that video and they're saying, well, crap, we got to – think that there's a potential we're going to see a really good curveball from Lance Lynn. We need to adjust everything we're doing. Then if Lance Lynn comes out there, doesn't have the curveball for whatever reason that day, or he's hanging them, he can go back to kind of doing some of his old stuff. And it's not as detrimental as it would be if he hadn't approached that game with a new pitch. It's a really exciting thing to see. I'm not going to say it's something that happened because Larissa's <laughs> out, but it is the type of thing that stems from a team that's head is in a different place than it was two weeks ago and whose morale is in a different place and who is wanting to win and get that playoff spot. I, I was really impressed by Lance Lynn. Um, you know, he has been a really hard guy to watch this year because he has just been – a shell of what he was last year. One, because of injury. Two, he seemed to have been a little too heavy uh, at, at points of this season. Now he's starting to look like Lance Lynn again. You, 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 if we get Lance Lynn back, Dylan Cease is now showing us that he really probably should win the Cy Young. Uh, I came on here a few weeks ago, called him an elite thrower and not a pitcher. He responded with a eight and two thirds, no hitter. Uh, and then another stellar game against a minor league team yesterday. Uh, I will now concede that I think Dylan Cease is potentially a great pitcher. Um, but if we got those two guys going, plus the fire of Johnny Cueto, Giolito is starting to look like Giolito. I, I think there's a chance we could see Giolito as the team morale pumps up. Uh, we could see him get better. Kopech, I think, might realistically be done for the year. Um, 
I just don't think he's healthy. And and he's also pitched more than he's ever pitched. And and that's what I mean by healthy. I, I think he is gassed. And I don't blame him. You know, he's still recovering from injury in a lot of ways. Uh, but I, I don't think Kopech is someone we will be able to rely on as a starter moving forward. It's possible he can become a, a valuable bullpen guy if we do make the playoffs. But um, so that's that's kind of my take on on some of these guys over the last couple of weeks. It's it's starting to look really good off from the mound. It's it really is. Oh, it is very 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 well. At least for starters, uh, bullpen yeah, still yeah. gets some. And it was interesting. Miguel Cairo has done some innovation uh since the Hall of Famer departed. Uh one of which was to use a, an opener when Davis Martin had a had a start. Now he used <laughs> he used Joe Kelly, which We're not gonna I, talk about that. And so it, it didn't work, <laughs> although they ended up winning the game. But one commenter I, I thought was on I don't know if it was our side or another one <laughs> said, well the really good thing about having Kelly go, even though he gave up two runs is you 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 don't Consider it all bringing him back later in the game because she can't. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was saving grace right there. And Hopefully. the other nice thing is you, you don't have to bring him out when you have a lead so that he loses it. You just, you bring him out, you know, you're going down two to nothing no matter what, and you're just yeah. going to move forward from there. Rule changes. The rule changes and presumably the committee is going to do all these and, and it really is as we're recording. But but the anticipation pitch clock, which we've known all along, fifteen seconds, uh, with nobody on twenty seconds, with somebody on the batter it must be ready eight seconds before the deadline. Uh, batter can step out once. Uh, I don't think that affects the Sox one way or the other. Johnny Cueto won't be affected at all, and the Sox are not. They're some pretty slow guys, but they're not notoriously slow compared to the. The rest of the majors. There's the, a couple relievers. There's a couple relievers who who do the, you know, full day of recovery in between each pitch. Yeah, well, yeah, and Liam, Liam likes to do a, do a yeah. bossy walkabout around the mound. But uh, the another big one is only three times can you step off the mound in the course of an at bat, which means that if you've thrown over to first twice. I mean, there could be other reasons to step up, but if you throw it over the first twice, then if you make a third one and you don't get the guy, if you get him, you're fine. But if you make a third one and you don't get him, it's a ball. So he really? gets the second base. So this is a, this, and then combine the fact they're going to enlarge the bases is really a speed team aid. And I like speed. So I, Generally, I like the rule. It's not a White Sox aid with the next to last in the majors or last in the majors and stolen bases. You've only got three guys who can run and one of those never plays. And two of the other two are hurt all the time. Uh, so, so did but, you say it, it's a bulk? Yeah. Okay. So if you throw over twice, fine. You throw over a third time and you don't get him, it's a he bulk. He gets second base. He gets second base. That's. Insane to me. Yeah, is that, I, I have, is I, that I have a, trouble with this one. You know, it's a speed up the game, don't throw over all the time thing, but I, I, I don't like that one either. Even, I don't feel like that's been the problem this whole time though, is throwing over. No. I, I mean, you, you get that, but it's so specific, uh, on when it happens. I mean, 
it's not like every time there's a guy on first, we're, we're throwing over. Jose Abreu gets on first base, they're not throwing over five times. My, my biggest issue with that is once you've thrown over twice, you're stealing the base, right? You're just. Well, you, you have to be not so wild about it because remember, if you get caught, you're still out. If, right. If you're picked off, you're still out. So you, you can't just take off as soon as the pitcher gets into set position. But yes, you're stealing the base. Of course you are. That is weird. This is a weird rule change for me. I, I apologize for not having known about this ahead of time. Um, so I'm dissecting this right now. Okay. So, so you throw over twice, throw over third time. You don't get him. He just, it's just a ball. Get second base. Then and I guess you, the other the other guys go too. Yeah. Or maybe maybe it's just that guy. I don't remember that part. So then let's say there wasn't anyone else on them. He gets to second base. Can you throw again? Can you throw to second base to try to pick yes. him off? Yes. So it resets when yes. he's on a new base? Okay. Because I in my head I was like, okay, so you well, vault him well. to second. If you and then can't, you can't throw it off. I'm, I'm not sure about that because it says three times per at-bat. It would still be the same at-bat. Absolutely. I mean, it most likely would because, be. And right? it didn't say three times to first. It said step off the rubber three times. I mean, that is – that's if that's the case, which maybe it's not, then do you lead off two-thirds of the way to third base? <laughs> no, because if you get caught, you're still out. So, okay, so he could throw to second. Yeah, but, absolutely. But if he doesn't get you, it's a bulk again. I guess so. This is silly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Billy Hamilton could have a long career after this. <laughs> and if that's what comes out of this, then I'm fine with it because I love Billy Hamilton. If this becomes the Billy Hamilton rule, we have the Otani rule. I love the idea of having an Otani rule and a Billy Hamilton rule. Um, I I don't know about this, but okay. And and the is other, there another one? Okay. Oh, there's a big, big, big one outlawing the shift. It's going to say that oh. there must be two two infielders on each side of uh, second base. I think this means almost nothing to right-handed hitters because if the second baseman plays right now on on the left side. He's one step over there. He can make one step back to his right. He can do it after the pitch. Nothing says you can't move. It's just as you line up. So I, I think it's got very little to do there, except possibly the other part besides being on the side is the infielders must be on the dirt, which for extremely okay. slow right-handed hitters and Andrew Vaughn, a shortstop's often back on, on the grass just routinely. It doesn't have anything to do with the shift. It's, they know he can throw him out. They know that if they catch the ball, they can walk over and get him out. Yeah. Um, and the same thing with Jose and if Grandal is, is batting right hand. Left hand, I think it's a big advantage to lefties to not be able to put anybody back because that second base from back halfway into the outfield is gone. Now it's yeah. like almost like hitting against a, a drawn in infield. But I have, I have something that came to my mind and I bet happens. You know how teams would play Ricky Henderson and they would wet down the area around first base so it was almost <laughs> like heat fog so that he couldn't get started? I looked up. I cannot find. I can find for some youth leagues. 
But for major leagues, there is no rule that I can find. And I've looked at, you know, lists of all the rules of the fields that says how, when that outfield grass starts. Huh. That's just kind of a traditional distance. Nothing says outfield grass must start within 15 feet back at second base or whatever. Well, sure, because, you know, for years we had a lot of these stadiums where there was only dirt immediately around the base. Oh, yeah. The original AstroTurf, right, right around the bases, and sometimes that little strip out the pitcher's mound for some reason. But, yeah, uh, so there's not a rule. I can see teams, depending on whether they are speed teams or power teams, moving the grass in or out on their field. They couldn't do it at a game or anything, but you to do it for the season. If, if we know we've got power hitters, then, and really quick shortstops and second baseman, we move the grass in. <laughs> so yeah, the other, other I, team, I wonder, the other team, or then yeah. we move it out so our second baseman can play real deep against powerful left-handed hitters, which we don't happen to have, whatever it may be. It, it is interesting. I, Maybe there is a regulation on that, or maybe they will make one that goes along with this rule. It. But, you know, yeah. with Baltimore this year not being a power team and moving their wall back and making it taller, it's kind of well, that, an interesting thing that, that, That's been done all do. through. Teams have done that all through history. Cleveland and, and the old field, the, the humongous Cleveland Stadium, used to they, – they had a huge, huge, huge outfield, uh, which was great when they had to play Big Ruth. And then when that didn't happen anymore, they moved the fences in so that the bullpen was behind the fence, but in front of the permanent fence. And it it was just like a wire mesh fence all the way around. Jimmy Pearsall Pearsall used to climb it to steal home runs. It was incredible, incredible what he would do. But so they would move it in. Well, you can move it in all you want. If, if, if you've got powerful guys right handed and you, then you, you move that in a little bit. <laughs> or left I mean, I personally love that. I, I think that's a really fascinating thing for baseball that other sports don't do and can't do. Like, I, I really love the ways you can alter your field in baseball. I think it's really fun. Non-baseball people think it's the stupidest part of the game. <laughs> I really like it. I, I love that the parks themselves become players in the game in a lot of ways. They, they have their individual personalities and their quirks. And some of them are unintentional. Some of them are extremely intentional. Uh, I'll be really interested to see what happens with this outfield grass thing. I hope it doesn't mean we're going to look out and see just massive dirt in fields. <laughs> I think that will be an ugly look. I, 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 don't think it's, I don't think it's impossible. It's not scenic. It's You're right. Certainly not impossible. impossible. In terms of the actual shift rules, I agree with them. I mean, we play by those rules uh, essentially in in softball here in Burbank. Um, But I I don't hate those rules of just saying, like, these guys need to be on this side. These guys need to be on this side. I I don't know how much it really is going to change things. Um, I I don't think for right-handed batters at all. Uh, it would only yeah. be left-handed power hitters with the second baseman can't move way the hell back. And there's, and even then, the shortstop is often on the right side uh, if you're against a, a dead bull hitter lefty. But, you know, if he's right behind the bag, 
he can get over there to make that play. I, I don't, exactly. I don't think that's a big deal. And, and nowadays, if one gets in there between the second base and the shortstop, it is hit so hard. Nobody's getting it anyway. And the shortstops yeah. by and large are very quick. Uh, so they get to anything that's not, not smashed. It's just the second baseman playing halfway into right field that, that you're taking away. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm cool with that change. I'm cool with taking that away. The, it's, it's not a, anything that I'm necessarily even passionate about. It's just, I, I hate the look of those shifts. I, I hate when the second baseman's way out there. I hate when a ball gets smacked to the outfield and the guy gets thrown out at first. It's just something I, I don't personally like to watch. So I'm, I like this, this shift rule. I think they are giving the shift a little more credit than it's due necessarily. But, um, yeah, I, I'm cool with that one. The one thing I'm interested in is seeing if the outfield grass, uh, suddenly, <laughs> suddenly you have a warning track only. That's grass. They do a full reverse. Your warning tracks grass and everything else is dirt. It just looks like a softball, uh, a softball field in the, in the desert. Um, but I'm interested in that. That is all the time we have for today though. Do you have any, uh, final thoughts before we head into? Well, of course, the, the rule changes are next year would, would be for next year. Of course. Year. Yeah. Presuming, yeah. presuming they're actually made, but I, I think it's a done deal that that's going to happen. Uh, now we got, uh, Three more games with Oakland. The, the Guardians and Twins are playing each other. Twins actually managed to beat the Yankees for the first time since, I think, 1943. Setting uh, up a <laughs> hell of a series between the Rays and the Yankees. A series that we cannot believe was pivotal pivotal <laughs> a, a month ago. When and, the Yankees had a 42-game lead, yeah. And now, if the Rays sweep that series, they are tied in the loss column. <laughs> wow. Which is insane. The Yankees would still be three up in the win column, uh, but they'd be tied in the loss column, which is just wild. So go Tampa, bring the heat. You guys got this. Keep surging. Uh, we have our three games against a minor league club. Hopefully we didn't use up all of our runs for the entire week last night, which is something the White Sox seem to do from time to time. Um, and then we have Colorado and then the big game against Cleveland. And, uh, let's just hope that next week when we are on this podcast, a certain Hall of Famer baseball person has not returned, uh, to take credit for the successes of Miguel Cairo. Um, but only time will tell. Thanks for listening and we will see you next week on Sharing Socks.